Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's say, for example, that you need to meet up with the Prime Minister of Australia because there are things on your heart, and there may be, that you really want to share with the Prime Minister. How do you go about it? I've, I've got a favourite coffee shop. It's called Industry One and it's in Scott Street and I go there a bit. Uh, if, I, if I send her an invitation and say, meet me at Industry One for a coffee date so that we can actually catch up and have a chat, is she going to show? It's a bit disappointing. What about if you decide that it's far more polite for you to go and meet with her and so you rock up at a press conference or you rock up at a big prime ministerial event and uh, what you do is you move through the crowd and you start calling out, Prime Minister, Prime Minister, I really want to talk to you. Come here, I really, really want to talk to you. And uh, you see a few burly guys getting a little bit nervous, but you keep moving through the crowd. Prime Minister, I want to talk to you. Come here. Something really important to say. How's that going to go for you, do you think? You might end up in handcuffs, mightn't you? You might end up with a whole heap of like uh, protective services people on top of you. You're face down on the ground with handcuffs behind your back as she gets, uh, the Prime Minister gets scooted off in the government car and, and takes off. The point is that you don't have access to the Prime Minister of Australia. I don't have access to the Prime Minister of Australia. Not direct access anyway. If you want to discuss something, you need to take it up with a local member who acts on your behalf uh, in relation to you and the government. Do you know who the local member is? Neither do I. It's poor form, isn't it? Same deal when you do your tax return. I figure it's safe to talk about tax because we're in October, so no one's going to be stressed out by taxes or anything now, right? Yeah? Few, few coy grins, get it done. Um, you have a financial relationship, and if you don't have a financial relationship with the government yet, you will in the future. You have a financial relationship, but you can't just rock up at the treasurer's office and say, I really would love a tax return this year, please. Can you uh, just cut me a cheque and I'll go, I'll be happy with that. You can't do that. You actually have to uh, work with the Australian Taxation Office, a mediator between you and the government to deal with your financial uh, relationship that you have. Or if you're like me, Janelle organises everything for me, thank you, and then what, what you do is you scan it all and we send it to our, an account, our accountant. I still haven't met our accountant here in Cairns. We've had two interactions with him. I don't even know who he is. There's actually a ritual that takes place. You send in your information, you send in your receipts and then the government hopefully put a tax refund in your bank account or they send you a whopping great bill and you get very sad. Now, there's a different ritual needed if you need financial assistance from a benefactor like the government, right? And what do we do? What do we use here? Their the, the symbols up here, Centrelink. Centrelink. Now, what's the ritual there? A person walks into Centrelink, you're confused by a hundred different forms that all look the same and you don't know which one to fill out properly. And then what you do, you take a number or you in, interact with this kiosk that gives you a number and then someone comes to you and you go over to their table and you tell them all your details and then hopefully through this ritual some money will end up in your bank account, will land in your account, whether it's a benefit or a rebate or assistance or whatever it is that you need. Now, it seems like we're always doing this, these rituals. 
I find it difficult, really, really hard actually at the airport because now they've got these electronic kiosks that you have to interface with. I don't have a direct relationship with an airline anymore. I've got to punch in details or put my iPhone under to get it scanned um, uh, through this technology. And when I was in America just recently, almost wasn't on a flight back because the technology didn't communicate between Qantas and American Airlines and so I'm there on the day for my international flight and they say, oh, sorry, you're not booked on. You might not get home. Actually freaked me out. There are a number of rituals involved in these kiosks in pressing buttons and so a computer will let you on board a flight. Now, there are times when we look at the Old Testament and we think, wow, what is with all these strange rituals and sacrifices going on? What does it all mean? But you think about it, if Moses, if Aaron or if anyone from the ancient world just stood in your shoes for a week or watched your life for a week and all those strange and varied uh, rituals that you go through, they'd probably be asking themselves the same question. What are they doing? They swipe a card and someone gives them a trolley full of food. You know, they don't grow stuff in the ground anymore and go and pick it out. It's all these weird rituals that go on. They'd be fascinated by it. We are ritual people and half the time we don't even notice all the rituals that we're actually involved in as we swipe cards and enter in our phones and do all this kind of stuff. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray. We're going to pray as we prepare to explore some of the rituals and the meanings behind the high priesthood in that Old Testament and the New Testament and what it means for us as children of the living God. It's not something that we have to be frightened of. It's not necessarily confusing. It's actually wonderful. So let's pray now as we prepare to enter into Hebrews chapter 5. Gracious and glorious God, we thank you so much for the gift of worship that we can come today and sit in your presence, listen to you speak to us, receive holy things in the sacrament, that we have access to you. So we pray that as we sit under your word this day that your voice would reach us, that we would hear you speaking to us, our good shepherd, our great high priest regardless of our circumstances or where we're at, that this would be a safe place for us, a sanctuary, to be in your presence and to hear what you have to say to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you heard Jacob, he read uh, Hebrews chapter 5 really well for us. Thank you, Jacob. Um, Now, rituals. What kind of rituals does a high priest participate in? There he is. There's a high priest. Well, he's not a high priest, but there's his vestments. Now, I know that you guys said that you'd actually been involved in, done some work on the tabernacle uh, at school and that's cool. Have you seen this picture before of the high priest? Do you know what a high priest does? What kind of, what kind of rituals was a high priest involved in? Exactly, yeah. So, they have a tabernacle, she said, and the people go inside the tabernacle to confess and the, and the priest acts... Uh, in that capacity. Anything else? Anything else you'll learn about the tabernacle and what the high priest does? Anything about holy of holies? Anything like that? Oh, yeah! You could come and preach. Wow. You got it. You absolutely got it. And I can't repeat it all. It's It's a sermon and she could preach that sermon. That's amazing. Well done. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely got it. Talking about the, the inner and outer courts of the tabernacle, the holy of holies where, where people could go, where people couldn't go, where the priests functioned in there, where the high priest went in and out of the holy of holies once a year for the day of atonement. Yeah, well done. That's awesome. You've done some wonderful things on tabernacle there. So as we listen, as we listen to Hebrews chapter 5 and we look at uh, the high priest and the rituals that he's involved in, he was involved in rituals like you've described of a wonderful function, absolutely wonderful function. And let me just point out, I want you to look, I want you to see here on his shoulders, there's two stones on his shoulders and there's more stones on his front. This whole front piece is called an ephod, right? Um, over here, same deal. Oh, it's too, way too shaky. Uh, up on his shoulders, on the right and left shoulders up there, there's two stones and then on the front part of the ephod, there's 12 stones there. Because the high priest, his wonderful function was that he represented the people in matters related to God. Amazing stuff. And so, these little, there's these little onyx stones on his shoulders, right? And on those onyx stones were... Uh, written like a jeweller would engrave jewellery and on each one there were six names. So he had the 12 tribes of Israel, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, six on each shoulder. And on those uh, jewels on his front, very precious jewels, one of them is actually a diamond um, and they're engraved as well and surrounded by gold, very, very intricate design and on each one of those stones is one of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So this high priest actually carries on his shoulders and near his heart the names of the people of Israel, God's God's children. And the idea behind it was that as he would go on that day of atonement, as he would go into the Holy of Holies, as he would sprinkle blood on the horns of the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant, that he would bring to remembrance the names of the people of God that he would bring to the Lord's remembrance all those Israelites and all those tribes and that the Lord would remember them. An amazing function. You see this kind of interaction that the high priest is involved in. It transcends our interactions with local government, prime ministers, airlines, whatever it is. It, does, it, it, it doesn't matter. They're important but this is, this is actually about life. First one says, he, the high priest offers gifts and sacrifices for sins. So we know straight off this is actually about life, matters of life and death, but life. You may have noticed in your daily life uh, the routine, uh, how technology has impacted our relationship with corporations and with government agencies and the like. How many times have you, like me, been on the phone my name is Vaughan Spring. I'm sorry, sir, I didn't quite catch that. My name is Vaughan Spring. I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? My name is Vaughan Spring. Did you say prawn swim? No, I said my name... Don't worry, hang up. It's really impersonal. It's, it's really frustrating, right? when you're on the phone to those and you're talking to some kind of computer. The thing about the high priesthood is that it was there to represent people to God and God to people and by design the Lord set this up as a really meticulous 
and yet very personal way of interacting with people. It's very personal. If you, would, you may probably read through the book of Leviticus. You might have looked at Leviticus chapter 16 that talks about all the meticulous details that the high priest had to go through offering sacrifices for himself and, and all the intricate fine points for that day of atonement, for that ritual that he had to do. Really, really, really fine details. And that sits at the background of what we're talking about when we're talking about a high priest. It's personal. It's there for a purpose. And firstly, the high priest, he had to be a human, which makes a lot of sense, but the reason he had to be a human was because he had that intimate connectedness with people. You connect with humans, right? So he's your representative uh, to God on your behalf. So he had to be human. Secondly, he wasn't self-appointed. You can't just say, oh, I'll be the high priest this year. It doesn't work that way. High priests appointed by God to represent people. And thirdly, he's a flawed person. He's a sinful person, just like the people uh, that he's serving. So he sympathises with them. He doesn't lord it over them. He has some sympathy for the struggles and the weaknesses that they have because he has those very same weaknesses and struggles himself. And that's evident in that Leviticus 16 bit that you probably learnt that he had to to do all these washings, he had to do all these sacrifices for his own sins. He had to wear these vestments, the turban and the gold band on it that says, Holy to the Lord, and carry all this tunic and all these heavy, uh, heavy vestments all set apart for him, it's the office that he's actually representing because he's a sinful man. And so God set it all up. Why did he do it? Do you ever think about that when you're studying the tabernacle? Why did God go to all this intricate detail? I mean, look at it. It's so it's fine, fine detail. Why would he do that? He did it so that the people would have access to the living God, that they would have access to him and all his blessings and all of his benefits. Now, last week we talked a little bit about rest and resting in God's presence and that relates in too because when you have access to God, when you come into God's presence and you receive his blessings and all his benefits, then you find rest for your soul as well in, in God's house. So, it all, it all applies And what we read in the book of Exodus, like chapter 28, right the way through to 39, all God's instructions to Moses about the plans for the tabernacle, all the details that are set out, there's some really things that are made really, really clear and that is that God is very concerned about the welfare of his people, really concerned about his people. And that is because his people have a really very serious sin problem. They have a very serious sin problem. So God is concerned and And he knows, the Lord knows that he is holy, that he is righteous, that he is perfect and so much so that he puts in all this intricate detail, he puts it all in place to protect them from his holiness, to protect sinful people from his holiness so it doesn't break out against them and he does that so that they can access his presence and so it's not dangerous. So when you look at that, see a beautiful picture. See something absolutely beautiful because it tells us about the nature of the Lord our God, the Lord your God. 
It tells you that he doesn't want sinful people to die so that he, he establishes a means for their protection and it's so fine detail so that you wouldn't slip through right, and be, and be harmed. More than this, he did it so that he could dwell with those people who he loved, to be with them as their God and they his people. God desires closeness. He desires intimacy with his people. Amazing. And he does it so that, not that he can lord it over them, but so that he can serve you, so that he could serve them. The God of the universe wants to serve, sanctify, cleanse, forgive, bless people out of his great love and out of his great compassion. And this could only happen, look at this office of the high priest, it could only happen if sins were atoned for through the sacrifices and gifts and intercessions of the high priest. That all, all hinged on that. Now, as we look back at the Old Testament scriptures, as we look back on the high priesthood, we do so from that place. What's going on in there today? What's going on in there? Here you are. What's your sense as you walked into this building today? What's your sense as you walked in to this building? How do you understand what's happening to you in worship today? God's holiness, God's glory, God's righteousness are present. They're unchanging. And the intricate details set out in, in the tabernacle to protect sinful people from the Lord's perfection, they haven't been erased from the Scriptures. They haven't been set up on the scrap heap. They're still there. So how is it that you, me, all these people he had gathered here today can actually sit here with any sense of comfort, with any sense of safety, with any sense of reverence in his holy presence? How can we be here through the cross of Jesus, our eternal high priest? That's how we can actually be here. The tabernacle, the temple, all that stuff you learn about is really important but it was always an earthly copy of a heavenly spiritual reality. They were a shadow of the awesome things to come, things which you have received through faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 says this, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. Listen for this, listen, it's about sacrifices. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But actually, those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. And that is because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That is profound and amazing. Jesus, the heavenly high priest, perfect 
in humanity, perfect in his divinity, offered himself as the perfect sinless substitute for your life on the cross. And he did it once for all. He didn't bring us to the Lord's remembrance like the great high priest. He didn't bring us with our names engraved on onyx stones and written on on precious stones close to his heart as special as that act of the old high priest was. He didn't do that. Jesus instead carried the full weight of our sin upon his shoulders. He opened the way for us to approach the throne of grace boldly, confidently, with our hearts and lives sprinkled with the holy and precious blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And not only did he do that, he did bring us to the Lord's remembrance, but what he did through your union with Christ, through your faith in Jesus Christ, he he actually carries you with him into the Father's presence, into the very throne room of heaven itself and there you stand before God Almighty safe, safe because you are in Christ. You can be in the Father's very throne room, communicate, intimacy, all the gifts of God are yours in his presence, all through faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, would you ever want to give that up? Would you ever want to go back to animal sacrifices that can't take away sins? Would you ever want to give up Christ and go anywhere else for that matter? Because that's the danger facing the people who received that letter with the title Hebrews. They were facing persecution for their faith. They were facing trials and hardship in their lives. They were those who were struggling. And listen to this because it's kind of an exact imprint of our lives and what's going on here. Christians were falling away from worship. Christians were becoming less attentive to the Word of God, what the Bible says, dull of hearing. Christians were falling out of fellowship. And so, everything seems to line up. I mean, what they're facing in this letter is exactly what we face in the church, the same issues we face, same challenges that we're facing. I mean, have you seen that? Have you seen that where life seems to get on top of people, so much so that what's the first thing that goes when life seems to get on top of people and the stresses build up and mount up on them? What goes? First thing. Worship is the first thing to go half the time or more. Worship. That's what goes. But worship is the setting where God is present to serve us with his, with his living word and holy mysteries for our blessing and our strengthening and our holiness. Why is that the thing to go? Worship is sanctuary. I had a grade four class from Peace College here a little while ago and they asked some fantastic questions about the church one of which was sanctuary. Sanctuary means safe place. Regardless of what you're going through in your life or what your friends are going through or what's going on in your family, church is that safe place, that sanctuary where you have that bold access to God and the presence of the holy God. Why would you give that up? And so the the writer of Hebrews says, stop. Look what's back there in the old sacrificial system or look what's back there apart from Christ. Look back there and now look here at the supernatural blessings that are yours for eternity in Christ Jesus. Look at the cosmic scope of the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
What's at stake for you or for anyone in walking away from this? What's at stake? You have access to God. You have access to God Almighty. Nothing compares to that. You could have acres upon acres upon acres of sacrificial animals packed in tight and you could sacrifice them all. You could kill them all, spill their blood, burn them on that bronze altar and you still won't even come close to what Jesus has secured for you through his death and resurrection on the cross because the blood of all those acres of animals, gallons, drums full of blood cannot bring forgiveness of sins. Only the blood of the lamb can bring forgiveness of sins. That's what's at stake. So Jesus has done, friends, exactly what no earthly high priest could do. He's with you forever. He's interceding for you constantly. He's present in your gatherings. He's present in worship. You hear his voice in the proclaimed word. You receive him in holy communion because his presence is intimate. It is close. It is powerful to save. God desires closeness and intimacy with you and you will have that today. You will have that opportunity as you come forward. Now we're going to do continuous communion today but if you want to have, if you want to stop for a moment, just come along, walk past the person who's serving communion, pause, pause in the presence of the Lord and don't feel, don't feel embarrassed or anything about doing that. Have your time with God. That is important time. Jesus is alive. and So the invitation goes out to every single one of you today to come to your heavenly Father through your union, through your your oneness with Jesus Christ. The invitation goes out to you to come carrying your own joys and to come carrying your own burdens and your concerns and those things on your heart, whether they're for you, whether they're for your friends, whether they're for your family, it doesn't matter who they're for, come bring them into the heavenly throne room. Bring them before your heavenly Father because you have access to him, unhindered access to God Almighty Come boldly to the throne of grace today and receive mercy and find grace for your help and your time of need. Not only that, may you rejoice and may you find great comfort in what the Lord has done for you in giving you access to the very throne room of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we praise you for your heavenly wisdom expressed through sending your Son, Jesus, our our great high priest who gave his life as a ransom for many. Not only is he our high priest but he was also the the once for all sacrifice, that powerful ritual of the cross that brings us new life and gains us access into your heavenly kingdom and into your heavenly presence. So we thank you for the access to your gifts of grace through him and we pray that you would teach us to pray And not only to pray, but to boldly approach with great confidence for ourselves and for our friends, for the people we care about, for our families, for the world, for this community. We thank you for all your gifts of grace. We pray that you would bless us as we come for Holy Communion, that we come for a blessing or whether we come to receive communion. Touch our lives and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds 
safe in Christ Jesus.